Hey everybody, welcome back to Scottsdale, Arizona, home of the world's largest cactus berm says. Yeah, this is this is the playoff drive brought to you by Byers Auto. Uh, Monday here out as Ohio State continues to practice for the Fiesta Bowl on Saturday against Clemson. That is Spencer Holbrook, that's Jeremy Birmingham, I'm Austin Ward. This is part of our Letterman Row coverage all week of the college football playoff semifinal. Uh, guys, just quickly set up what's going on here today. Spencer, uh, the Buckeyes are on the practice field at Notre Dame Prep. Uh, after they got off the bus yesterday, they went straight out. They got a workout out there yesterday. So it's been uh, trying to get back to a normal game week for Ryan Day. Yeah, everybody flew in. I thought it was interesting that they didn't have to fly back to Columbus to fly. I thought, <laughs> I didn't know that happened. Planes so. fly out of <laughs> all the cities. No, but I didn't know that like Wyatt Davis could go home to California and then just meet them here. Yeah. It's like, hey, party in Arizona. All this. <laughs> but, uh, I think it's real. It was weird to watch Jordan Fuller like trying to get his luggage. We walked in at the same, same time. He landed from New Jersey and was like, all right, well, here we are. Uh, we didn't We didn't all have to take, he didn't get to take that uh, lovely charter flight. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting how they went straight to the practice field. You wrote about how this is strictly business, and they didn't waste any time. They got off the plane, they got on the bus, they went right to work. Uh, and that was important because I think if you, if you go back to the hotel or you get checked in or everything, you lay down, uh, you've been on a flight for four and a half hours, and you can kind of get a little even more rusty than it was, but... Uh, today's probably even more critical practice, tr trying to get into a little bit of a flow, trying to figure out the time difference, things like that. I think this is a big day for Ohio State. It's interesting, Burn. We were looking at it last night about how this is more serious than a normal bowl trip. And that, that also means that this is going to be a normal work week of practice right. for them. And that, so Sunday was a little bit of a, the walkthrough. Uh, they went for about an hour. Today is going to be a full practice. There's still going to be a chance to go bloody Tuesday yeah. and get things going because the game is Saturday night. They, that actually works out well for them. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things where it, the routine is so important for a college football team, and you have these extra days off that everyone took before flying out here. So to have this set up the way it is, I mean, I, I, I think that this game is way too rushed for everything else that had to go around yeah. the football program in the last few weeks. But I guess there is some sort of familiarity and comfort in the game setting up for Saturday night. So I think it's actually helpful if you can see behind us. It's a little overcast here. It's going <laughs> to rain tonight. It's supposed to rain all day Tuesday. So I think that like avoiding the the 75 and sunny, beautiful Arizona weather this week actually is a good thing because this now you know it takes away a little bit of that charm of saying, oh, let's go see this mountain or let's go to this because like you're going to be inside because it's raining. So. Uh, I actually think that that helps Ohio State. I really do. I think it's Chief Meteorologist, Chief meteorologist for Levin Row. It's going to rain. <laughs> it's going to rain. <laughs> it's going to rain. We know that. Okay. So, and as you said, we were talking about that earlier. It's not like there's a whole bunch of indoor facilities. Right. Uh, it be interesting to see how that handles. Uh, I mean, maybe you can tell me exactly when it's going to rain tomorrow so I know. Well, but it's going to start tonight about oh. 7 o'clock. Okay. Uh, so, Ohio State can deal with that tomorrow. They were able to get through practice today. Uh, no problem in all eyes. Uh, and then all day tomorrow. Continue to be, as we get forward here, Spencer, looking at the health of Justin Fields, Sean Wade, some other guys who've been banged up. Um, sounds like uh, Ryan Day believes they're going to be at full strength and 100%. We'll see exactly what that means for Justin Fields, but some other guys that uh, you might be watching tomorrow at the open practice. I'm going to be watching the offensive line because Justin Fields' health has been the question for three weeks, and who's going to protect him from getting hurt again? If, if he's 100%, and he gets up slowly in the first quarter, you're going to say, was he actually 100% or is the offensive line just not doing its job? Mm. So that's who I'm going to be watching is the offensive line. I think I think that's one of the biggest parts of this game that is kind of not being talked about a lot. But like Thayer Munford has had a, a little bit of a rough year this year. Yeah. I think he's probably one of the biggest pieces that, that needs to be watched this week. Make sure that he's he's as comfortable as he can be to protect Justin Fields' blindside. He's had a really interesting season, Berm, because I thought going into the year, 
even going back to last year's Rose Bowl, I thought, well, that's a guy who's going to be heading to the NFL after his junior season. He's going to be the, he's the only returning starter for that unit. He's going to be at left tackle. There's going to be a ton of attention on him. But he, the attention has been a mixed bag for him because he's given up some pressures. He had to play through another injury setback. He got kind of, you know, I don't know what the word is, frustrated to be talking about it because uh, there was so much attention on it. If that was why he was getting uh, giving up so many pressures and letting Justin Fields get hit, and I, I just look at him right now and uh, I don't I don't see him as being the best pro prospect on that line. No, and it's funny because that Rose Bowl, he missed that Rose Bowl, you know? So, like, we start talking last year about how good he was leading up to that, then he misses the Rose Bowl, misses all the spring ball, has clearly not been himself all year long. Um, and you start to wonder, like, how hurt was Ohio State by Josh Allaby not being able to play? In this, right. You know, because Thayer had to go when maybe he shouldn't have been going. And, you know, you just start to see all these pieces and how they fit together. And depth on the offensive line is the one thing Ryan Day, when he took over the head coaching job at Ohio State, said, I have to fix this. Oh, yeah. And, and they did, numbers-wise. But you still see that there's some question marks because without Allaby being available, for whatever reason, I mean, we haven't really been told anything about him because Thayer's been playing, but... You know, this these couple weeks off are so big for a guy like him. He's playing against the best defensive line he's going to play all year long in Clemson. Um, th- you know that matchup is huge. I mean, that's that's the the trenches always wins the game basically. But in this game, when it comes to getting pressure on a quarterback, whether it's Fields or, or Trevor Lawrence, like that's where this game's going to be won. And I think you know what you're going to get in that interior. Clemson's defensive line lost a lot from last year. Mm-hmm. They're obviously not young anymore because they've been playing all year. You know exactly what you're going to get from those three guys on the interior for Ohio State. But the tackles, Brandon Bowen's been pretty consistent, I will say. But the tackles, you, it's kind of a mixed bag. You're not really sure how they're going to play. They struggled against uh, Penn State a little bit. They struggled on the first drive against Michigan and then was fine after Brandon that. Brandon Bowen is w- interesting to me because if you go back, and I bet you if you look at the, the first series for Ohio State this entire year, He's been pretty bad, like the first drive. <laughs> and, and I talked to him about that, and he said it takes me a drive to get to get ready. Yeah, and like you can tell, like he, he's a different player after the first possession as opposed to the second. Like it's it's wild to watch, and you just wonder, like at some point that has to stop when you're talking about somebody who's a fifth year senior. Um, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. Well, now that we're you know into this playoff run here for Ohio State and talking about on the playoff drive. Brought to you by Byers Auto. It's it's kind of fascinating to look back at the way that this offensive line has developed and the way we talked about Greg Studrawa at this time a year ago. Uh, Berm, you and I have had this conversation. You actually had one with Greg Studrawa yeah. about this about a week ago. You know, there was all this talk about Nicholas Petit Frere, 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 Wee Wee, coming along and, and claiming that right tackle job. And maybe Brandon Bowen kicks in at guard. You don't know what's going to shake out. Maybe Jonah Jackson have to play at center. The way everything's played out, I already talked about Munford, the way Bowen has played uh, when he's been healthy and, and gone through the, the course of this year, and the way Josh Myers developed, and, and obviously Wyatt Davis you know, playing like an All-American, in my opinion. Um, Greg Strudawa, people's opinion. Yeah, Greg Strudawa. Correct. Greg Strudawa deserves a lot of credit for what happened this year. Yeah, Greg Strudawa has changed uh, the course of his career, I think in the last eight, nine months as a recruiter, as a developer of talent. Everyone kind of thought he was a good uh, game you know, coach for offensive linemen, but I, I don't think that we've seen him connect with people the way he has with this group uh, in previous years. And I don't know if it was a, a come-to-Jesus type moment with, with him and Ryan Day a year ago or what, but you can just see it. I think that there's a little bit of a different air around him. And like I said, I did mention that to him last week uh, at signing day. I told him, hey, you know, 
I was pretty hard on you in the last year at, at times about your recruiting and stuff, and you watched the guy really developed. And yeah. I think that that's a testament to the program at Ohio State and maybe a, a, a hint of how there was some stagnation happening in previous years. And sometimes when those changes occur, they're actually the best thing for you. And, you know, it's not always the best thing to lose a coach, but sometimes just having somebody else there to motivate you differently or to to approach you differently can can change outcomes. And Greg Studrara has been a totally different guy as far as his um, reputation and, and his uh, results in the last eight months. Spitzer, who's been the MVP of that unit? Uh, I would say Wyatt Davis. Uh, Probably he's he's just been a wrecking ball. If if you watch the way when they run to the right side, he just he can make an entire side collapse. You know, he pushes <laughs> a guy into the guy Josh Myers is blocking, and I could have probably went with Josh Myers, but you know Wyatt Davis just moves people. And Jonah Jackson gets all the credit because he gets all the knockdowns, but Wyatt Davis is so sound in what he does. And I don't I'm not the one person you'd have to ask about the offensive line because I didn't play <laughs> offensive line. I don't know. You know, I, if you told me to wa- watch one guy on the offensive line, I'd be like, okay, I, I think I can do that. But Wyatt Davis just seems to always be in the right spot. He always seems to pass off blocks at the right times. He he's just for a first full, first year full time starter, he's been incredible. Give me somebody to watch on defense this week, Brown. To me, the matchup is tough: Borland versus Travis Etienne, the running back for Clemson. How that changes the the momentum in the first quarter. How the Buckeyes can come out and slow down that running attack because for as good as Trevor Lawrence and his receivers are, Clemson's offense is predicated on Travis Etienne picking up nine yards of carry. So um, <laughs> it, it's up to tr- it's up to Tough Borland. I think Baron Browning plays a big role in this game. Uh, interesting to watch. I mean, he had the, the hand issue um, in the Big Ten championship game that hadn't happened before. Um, I think that that middle linebacker spot is going to be huge. And Clemson does not have, like, a really good tight end. They are getting back their best tight end for this game. Um, who has not played most of the year. So that's interesting because Pete Werner has been seen as a, that guy against Penn State and Michigan guarding the tight ends one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's the it's the middle of the field, the linebackers, Tough Borland, Baron Browning against Travis Etienne. Isn't it crazy how Clemson runs the RPO very effectively? Like they, they And they run the read option effectively. Yeah. But all everybody talks about are the two receivers outside and Trevor Lawrence in the pocket. Those guys can move. Trevor Lawrence Ohio is State's, fast. Ohio State's linebackers are going to be tested by this. Yeah by the read option. I think it's interesting. Well, that's why I think Baron Browning has to show up in this game uh, more so. This just a matchup game. People want to criticize Tough Borland. You know, I, I get it. We hear that all the time. He's he's on the field for a reason. Right. He is who he is. And and when they're going to go stop in true true obvious rundowns, I think you want Tough Borland on the field more than maybe anybody else at linebacker for Ohio State. But if you have concerns about Trevor Lawrence's mobility, if you are worried about uh, just pure physical ability on the football field that, that's where Baron Browning and he gives you more than anybody else other than Malik Harrison I think if you're going to defend this team this caliber of Clemson offense you have to have your most athletic people on the field I think Tough Borland brings a lot to the team but Baron Browning is at a different level with that in the way that Ohio State can move him around uh, schematically getting personnel matchups and the other guy that's important to that is going to be Sean Wade you know we, we've talked so much about how the bullet was going to be part of it uh, Pete Warner's going to still be on the field doing his thing, but Sean Wade is the one that really allows Ohio State to get creative with what they do. And you have to, you can't go out and just defend Clemson like a run-of-the-mill offense. It will not work. What's interesting to me is that bullet position was talked about as a guy in the box who can come up and defend the run but can also be 
good in pass coverage, not great. Right. Sean Wade has redefined that position. We don't think of the bullet as a true bullet anymore because Sean Wade doesn't play in the box that often. He only blitzes every once in a while. He comes up and stuffs the run every once in a while. Yeah. He is great in coverage. Yeah. And it kind of, instead of being that guy in the box that can also defend the pass, he's the guy that defends the pass. Oh, by the way, he can come up and right. defend <laughs> the run. Him and Pete it's Werner have completely been the opposite side of that coin. They're both playing the bullet position, but <laughs> they're both on the field at the same time. But one of them is a guy who can stop the run and then cover the pass, and the other one is a guy who covers the slot receiver and can stop the run. And so it's it's one it's of those things we talked about what the definition of the bullet was for how many months since I too many Letterman yeah, yeah. In March we, we talked about okay what is the bullet <laughs> and we tried to talk about what it was and then Sean Wade <laughs> so was did like, they yeah. Sean Wade was like this is not going to be how we yeah. play the bullet it's this a totally made up play. position it's just a linebacker <laughs> and then Sean Wade a safety, but he's a safety who can cover a guy in, in a slot. So I, it's kind of it. it's you know what I've never really thought about it like this, so I don't know if it's going to come out perfectly. But it's sort of like the same off-season talk that we had about the H and yeah, the H is on, just on offense. Receiver. It's like, but it can be whatever you need it to be. If it if it's going to be, you can motion it into the backfield. And it can be a fullback. When people were talking about Ruckert playing it, it's because you can. If you're putting him on the field, it's because you can do a different a lot of different things formationally. And that's the same situation with Warner, the same situation with Wade, uh, what we thought was going to happen for Brendan White, what might happen with, you know, Court Williams or Cody right. Simon. I mean, those guys are just versatile athletes right. that need to be on. That's the whole goal is to get your best players on the field. So if you have to make up a position name for <laughs> it to happen, who cares? Because it's about getting your best players. And Sean Wade is one of the best 11 guys on that Buckeye defense. And Pete Werner is one of the best 11. So put them out there at the same time. It, it, it's all about that one high safety, right? So, like, if if the Buckeyes just rotated Sean Wade back to the other safety spot, it's exactly the same as the right. normal defense. Would that make Jordan Fuller the bullet? <laughs> Sometimes. I just don't know. There's 11, there's I don't know. There was 11 silver bullets yeah. on the field. I wonder if, if this could Chase also be. Young could play the bullet. He could. I think he should be doing more of that uh, stand-up uh, pass rushing from the middle to get better matchups. I know that I, I really am confused why it only happened in the Wisconsin game and then never again. Uh, maybe they'll save that up for this one to throw something at Clemson. Uh, we'll see. But the other guy, too, that I'm I'm curious to watch in practice to see if he's healthy and to see if you're talking about the best athletes to get on the field for Ohio State defensively, I still feel like there's got to be room for Josh Proctor. Maybe, maybe it doesn't happen in this game. Uh, I guess if you were betting, you'd say that it probably wouldn't. But it was about you know this time six years ago that Von Bell finally got a chance to go loose and get loose and make a play uh, against this Clemson team in Miami. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen for Proctor, but the light – seems to be coming on yeah. for him as he gets healthy. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, he's – that hit <laughs> in the last play of Wisconsin yeah. game. When Ohio State had to go with two high safeties, Josh Proctor was on the field. They didn't rotate Sean Wade back to the other high safety. Josh Proctor was on the field, and he came down and absolutely demolished Jack Cohn. We yeah. were right in front. We were right there. <laughs> I don't think I've seen a, a worse hit in person. But if you can do that and you're not a liability in the pass coverage, I think you have to be on the field. Yeah. And if Josh Proctor has a good week of practice, Jeff Halfley has said all year, if you're good, you're going to play. Josh Proctor seems to be getting pretty good at the right time. Yeah. My my final subplot for this week is that Jeff Scott. Well, we've got five more days of subplots. Jeff Scott and Jeff Halfley and their decisions to take other jobs and be head coaches. So the offensive coordinator for Clemson, the defensive coordinator for Ohio State. Halfley, I mean, is a guy that you think if you had two weeks to prepare for this game, there's going to be some wrinkles and stuff. But you wonder how much has been – uh, you know, diverted uh, attention-wise to other opportunities. Same with Jeff Scott at Clemson. I just think it's fascinating 
to see how those two will go head to head, but then Brett Venables versus uh, Ryan Day mm. and Kevin Wilson on the offensive side, because with this much time to prepare, I d- we've talked about it ad nauseum. These are the two best teams in the country, I think, in my mind, and I just I think this is just going to be a classic game. Do you think athletic directors were just looking to hire guys named Jeff in, in this cycle? Maybe, maybe free free Hefe. <laughs> seems like an inter- seems like an interesting choice to go yeah. that route. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's not a great. Uh, talent pool, but if you can get one of the top two, <laughs> you know who's the other? And find me another Jeff. Uh, those guys. <laughs> There's no more Jeffs anywhere. I, here's uh, here's one thing I'll add to that because you make you bring up a great point about managing their time and this, the way this compressed schedule has actually worked out, uh, I think has been more advantageous than it was for Tom Herman or Luke Fickle when they were making their moves, and if, especially for Jeff Halfley that he was continuing to recruit for Ohio State because Boston College for whatever reason. Their search dragged all the, almost all the way to the, through the to the end of the recruiting period. period. So Jeff Halfley didn't have to do anything really for Boston College, and right now there's no incentive for him to do so until January 17th. Right. Obviously, he's going to be wanting to be making calls and trying to get his staff together, but that's not an absolute urgent thing that he has to get done right now. He can actually focus on this game, and I think it's. I remember talking to Luke and talking to Tom Herman, and they went through that process, and it was an absolute grind for them because they had so much to do uh, and those schools were trying to get moving in a hurry that is it's really not the case for Jeff Halfley we haven't seen a report of who Jeff Halfley's hiring at Boston College this morning Jeff Scott hired a, def- a defensive coordinator well, I think that's just interesting well, I was the just first day say, of like, practices here, out here in the desert Jeff Scott hired an off a defensive coordinator uh, today these guys have got to manage their time it seems like Jeff Halfley's managing his time pretty well because you know maybe he's already got those guys in place but you haven't seen it publicly and so that you know, kind of tells me both of these guys. You know, Jeff Scott just hired his first one. Both of these guys are, are pretty dialed into what's yeah, going on. Yeah, I was going to say like l- last Monday we saw Jeff Halfley on uh, the first day of the recruiting dead period do his Boston College introduction press conference. But there's been nothing else. It's not like you've seen photos of him in their stadium doing promoting pitches. But you have seen that with Jeff Scott. You've seen like the USF uh, Twitter account will have you know videos and interviews with him. Like trying to promote the the program and, and talk about hey come play at our stadium like you haven't seen that with Jeff Halfley maybe that's a sign that he's more focused I don't know maybe it's just a sign that Boston College isn't trying to um, push that as much because of Martin Jarman and his relationship with Ohio State who knows well I'm going to be interested to talk to uh, Jeff Halfley about that he's going to be available tomorrow as Ohio State has uh, uh, offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson Jeff Halfley. Six Buckeyes are going to talk tomorrow. We'll have the, that to break down at LettermanRow.com and on the playoff drive brought to you by Byers Auto. We'll see if, if he's telling them to, hey, let's cool it and let's just let me focus on the national championship or what really uh, is playing out there for Jeff Halfley, his first comments with the Ohio State media since he took that Boston College job. That's going to be a big day for us. Spencer's going to be busy uh, putting together some stories and videos for you. Berm's going to be doing his thing. We're going to keep providing uh, Ohio State coverage all week long here at the Fiesta Bowl. This has been the Playoff Drive brought to you by Byers Auto. We will see you back here tomorrow.